0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Christian Skeptic. I'm your host, Sean Kerwin, and as always, it's my mission to take an honest look at our questions about Christianity through the lens of logic and reason. I'm not here to preach at you, just to start a conversation with you. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of The Christian Skeptic. I do want to apologize for being a little late to post this one. I took a couple weeks off for some travel and to catch up on the grad school homework that I needed to get done, and really life just got busy. But I am back and ready to tackle another topic, and I figured it's probably good at this point to stop and answer some of your questions. Over the past several months, I've kind of been on this train of thought on free will and the nature of God's will, whether he can change or not, and what all that means for us. And so if you hadn't had a chance, I really encourage you to go back and check out the past, I don't know, six or so episodes of the podcast and let me know what you think. But for the next few episodes, I want to take some time to answer some of your questions that I've received over the past several months. And I want to kick things off with a question that uh, I'm actually really excited to get to, because it's about the Jewish feasts and the customs and traditions, and that's just something we haven't talked about on this show yet. So this question uh, comes from a listener named Amy. And first of all, Amy, thank you so much uh, for you and your husband listening to and supporting the show. And thanks for writing in with your question. So Amy writes, I was wondering if you could talk about the Jewish feasts and fasting as God instructed them to do in the Old Testament as he declares these his quote-unquote appointed feasts and appointed times. She says, I grew up Southern Baptist and raised in the church. Their teachings did not include any of these commandments from Jewish custom. I don't even remember us fasting either, and my parents had us in church three days a week. Should all Christians observe these appointed feasts and times as well as fasting? Also, Amy writes, according to God's word, the Sabbath should be on Saturdays, which is the seventh day. But for as long as I can remember, we've treated Sundays as the Sabbath. Since we are to keep it holy and to do no regular work, I have sadly not abided by this commandment and am wanting to make the change. But what are your thoughts on this? Well, Amy, I think your question is twofold. And I think that there is kind of a more simple and short answer I'm going to give to the question on fasting. Because the fasting and the appointed times and appointed feast days are two very different things in the Bible. Fasting is a voluntary uh, spiritual discipline that is not only like prayer, but goes with prayer. And this is different from the feast days because the feast days are appointed days in the calendar that each have their own meaning and point to a future fulfillment, which we'll get to in a little bit when we start talking about the feast days. But there isn't really a commanded fasting day with the calendar. However, we see many of the major biblical characters fasting. Uh, Even Jesus himself fasted. And often what we see is that the fasting is one side to a two-sided coin of a time of prayer and devotion to God. And that's really biblically what it's expected to be. And we kind of see this uh, when Jesus talks about the Pharisees and how believers are supposed to behave, which is different from the Pharisees. He says, when you fast, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but he basically says, when you fast, don't make yourself look sickly. Don't make yourself look like you haven't eaten in weeks like the Pharisees do. And this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18 that I'm referencing so that you know I'm not just pulling this out of some weird paraphrase translation or or weird thing that uh, I I want to be in the Bible. but, um, But I am paraphrasing just for sake of time to get to the important point that Jesus uses the word when you fast, not if you fast in Matthew 16. So what Jesus is assuming then is that his followers will fast. And so in this, I do think we have a relatively simple answer, which is that fasting is a supplement to prayer life. It's a way to Um, Rid yourself of a physical need, that being food, in order to properly focus on the spiritual need. There is no appointed time or ritual or season of fasting. It is something that Jesus assumed his followers would be doing uh, when he said, When you fast, it's something we see the apostles doing in Acts right away in the first few chapters of Acts, they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, they devoted themselves to prayer and fasting and to the ministry of the word, Acts 6-4. But it doesn't say that every time they prayed, they fasted. And again, there isn't a command to fast. So what fasting then should be is a willful time of intense prayer, where you deprive your body of food to focus on your body's need of spiritual food. Okay, Having gotten that out of the way, let's talk about the feast now, because this is a very interesting thing. And uh, since getting this question, I've thought about it and I've researched it here and there. And every time I start to look into this topic, I am very, very fascinated by it. So in the Torah and in the Jewish customs, there are seven feast days. So there are seven feasts spread out over a period of seven months in the calendar. And these feasts repeat on an annual basis. The feasts start uh, in the springtime, around March or April, with the Passover feast. And that's the feast that was initiated when the angel of death passed over Egypt, when the children of Israel were still in Egypt, were still in captivity. He would pass over those Israelites that had sacrificed a lamb and spread the lamb's blood on the doorpost. However, those that did not have the blood of the lamb covering the doorpost, the angel of death would visit and slay the firstborn. And that was the final plague in Egypt that pushed Pharaoh to the edge to finally let God's people go, right? If you remember that from the Exodus story. The following feast, following Passover, which falls on the 14th of Nisan, which again is a month that happens in the springtime. Well, on the 15th of Nisan, there is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, where the Israelites are to eat bread without leaven for seven days, being that the leaven represents sin and the unleavened bread represents a, a pure and set apart bread. Following that, immediately, is the Feast of First Fruits. And that was an offering feast where the children of Israel were to offer the first fruits literally, of their harvest to the Lord. Following that feast, uh, they were to count from the Sabbath that immediately followed Passover, 50 days, uh, to the Feast of Weeks. And the Feast of Weeks was a harvest feast. The Feast of Weeks would begin the harvesting season, where all the customary uh, harvesting laws were to be followed by the Jews. This feast is also called the Feast of Pentecost, Uh, penta meaning 50, right? Because it's 50 days after the Sabbath following the Passover. And then there aren't any feasts for a period of about three months. The next feast that uh, ensues in the Jewish calendar is called the Feast of Trumpets. Interesting thing about this feast, the Feast of Trumpets uh, didn't actually have a set day the feast was to begin on. The Feast of Trumpets began on the first full harvest moon of the autumn season, and it literally just began with them blowing trumpets. And this feast was an extra Sabbath, essentially. It was a resting feast. Nine days after the Feast of Trumpets began the Feast of Atonement. And this feast is interesting. It's different from all the others, where all the other feasts are resting and celebratory in nature. The Feast of Atonement is a mourning feast. On the Day of Atonement, uh, the Israelites were to do no work, but instead they were to do that, atone, offer sacrifices, and repent of their sins. Following that, five days later, was the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. And on this feast, this was their Christmas of feasts, basically, right? This was the the biggest one of the year, where the children of Israel would sleep in booths, or tabernacles, or tents. This feast would remember the time that the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness some 40 years, And God guided them by a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so, therefore, they celebrated this feast by sleeping in tents. Uh, This feast also had the men of Israel journeying to Jerusalem, if they could, to dwell in tents outside of Jerusalem. And so, these are the Jewish feasts. And we don't follow these as evangelical Christians. And we don't follow the Sabbath. And what's interesting is in Leviticus 23, where God lays out these feasts, he starts with the Sabbath, though uh, these feasts didn't all fall on Sabbath. There was an honoring of the Sabbath that took place. So why don't we still do this today as Christians? Well, there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, for the Sabbath reason, Jesus says that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, and that he is Lord of the Sabbath. And so what we see here in principle is that the Sabbath is a gift, not a duty, right? Yes, it's a commandment, but it's a commandment to rest. And Jesus actually fulfills the Sabbath, when he comes to earth dies on the cross raises from the grave and allows whosoever would come to come to him he becomes our sabbath and should in the life of the of the believer become our sabbath rest now what am i saying am i saying never take a day off heavens no that would be unwise right Uh, Will you go to hell for not honoring the Sabbath? Absolutely not, because Jesus is our Sabbath rest, right? So therefore then, if you receive Christ, you receive your Sabbath rest. Therefore, Jesus fulfills that commandment for you. You don't have to fulfill that commandment, right? So not taking a day off on uh, Saturday is not a sin. But let's also talk about that too, right? Because we're on a different calendar than the Jews are on. I just mentioned the month of nisan and i said it's kind of in between march and april depending on the year and that's because the jewish calendar is different from the greco-roman calendar which is the calendar that we use and so already we're at kind of a disadvantage in a weird situation in that we're not on the same calendar as the jews are on who follow these feasts and appointed times and they do still follow this to this day if you journey to israel or even jewish quarters around the united states or other countries there are still places that honor the Sabbath, and there are provisions in place to prevent people from working on the Sabbath and taking that day as a day of rest. But again, Jesus is our Sabbath rest. So, no, you're not sinning. It is wise, though, to rest. And if you find yourself not resting, check yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Uh, Because Proverbs has a lot to say about resting. Proverbs has a lot to say about working, too. So, Don't jump all over me on that one yet. I know, go to the ant you sluggard, right? But Proverbs 23 verse four says, do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding, cease, right? So check yourself. Are you taking a day to rest like God wants you to? Are you overworking? What's your motive for overworking, right? Is it to be rich? Is it some other motive to find fulfillment, meaning, purpose, things you're supposed to find in Christ anyway? Check yourself. You should be resting. There isn't a legalistic rule, though, that says it has to be on a Saturday. Christians traditionally celebrate the Lord on Sundays because Sunday is the Lord's day, quote-unquote, right, as theologians have come to describe it, meaning that Sunday is the day that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, thus issuing in the new covenant. I'll get to that in a second as well. This might be a two-part episode, (laughs) the way uh, things are going. But, Christians celebrate Sunday as the Lord's Day because that's the day that Jesus rose. That's the day the new covenant was entered. That's the day that the soul could find rest in the risen Christ. And so, is it a bad thing to treat your Sunday as a Sabbath day? No. It's a good thing actually. Is it a is it a good thing to treat your Saturday, your Sabbath day as a Sabbath day? Yeah, that's a good thing as well because Christ fulfilled the Sabbath. Christ fulfilled the law. But he is our Sabbath. So if your soul is not resting in Christ, well, then you might actually be in sin. And we, we could make that argument, right? Because if the commandment is to honor the Sabbath, Christ is our Sabbath, and you do not honor Christ, okay, repent, because you're probably in sin on that one. But here's, here's the catch-22, right? You don't just honor Christ one day a week. And that's why Christ is the ultimate Sabbath. You honor Christ the Sabbath, who is Christ, every day of the week, in everything that you do, go back through the Sermon on the Mount. And even as I say this, and I'm thinking about saying this, there's there's conviction that lies in me, right? Because I'm not perfect at it either. And there's definitely uh, things in there that I struggle with. And so (laughs) I'm not just pointing the finger at you Uh, I'm talking to you as someone who shares the same struggle, right? But go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Do you pluck out the eye and cut off the hand for sin? Do you love your neighbor, right? Do you turn the other cheek if someone sues you? Do you give them your your tunic and your cloak? Do you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and spitefully use you? And I I really just want to stop talking because I'm convicted right now. (laughs) But do you honor the Sabbath, right? There is a way in which we can tell how devoted we are to the Sabbath, which is fulfilled in the person of Christ. Okay, speaking of fulfilled in Christ, let's move to the first feast that the Jews were commanded to celebrate. Okay, so the first feast that the Jews are to celebrate, uh, and I'm referencing Leviticus 23 for kind of the quick commandments on all of these feasts, uh, is the Feast of Passover. Verse 4 in Leviticus 23 says, These are the feasts of the Lord holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. And that's important to note. And I don't mean for this podcast to turn into an expositional sermon, but bear with me because I do need to explain some stuff that the Bible says about these. So the first thing that I think is noteworthy here is it says, these are the feasts of the Lord, not of the Israelites, not of the Jews, not of the followers of the Lord, meaning everything we're about to talk about, all of the feasts, all seven of them spread out over seven months, Belong to the Lord. They're for Him, not you, not me, not the Jews, not Moses, not Paul, not Timothy, not. They're for the Lord. Why is that? Well, because they are honoring what He has done and pointing to what He will do or has already done. And we see that here in the Feast of Passover. Again, uh, as I mentioned, on the 14th day, of the first month of the year which was the month of nisan so again there's a discrepancy between their calendar and ours right january is our first month their first month falls sometime between march and april and this is a religious first month as well because there is a different uh, jewish calendar that corresponds more with the seasons and is more modern but the religious calendar has the first month being the first uh, the month of nisan and on the 14th day they celebrate the lord's verse 5 is what it says passover And the Passover, as I mentioned, is uh, celebrating when the angel of death passed over them. But the Passover has also been fulfilled by Christ, right? Who was, as the Bible says, the Passover lamb that was sacrificed. And his sacrifice made it possible for death to pass over anyone covered by the blood. The blood of Christ Jesus, the blood of the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world, as John the Baptist called him, right? As John, as Jesus was approaching his cousin, John, he said, uh, there is one coming whose uh, sandal strap I'm not willing to unloose. And Jesus comes towards him and he says, behold, it is that Passover lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus fulfills the Passover. And as we march through this, it also kind of hit me, you know, when, when I initially got this question, I was thinking, well, of course we don't have to, we're not commanded to follow these feast days, right? Because we're commanded to have union with Christ, right? That was what the Last Supper was about, that there's a new covenant. And the covenant is that the, the, the Godhead through the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us and dwells in us. And so everything we do can be a communal feast day with Christ, right? But then I realized it's actually much more deeper and beautiful than that. Because at one point, Jesus says that you won't get into heaven unless you eat him. And drink his blood. And I'm not talking about communion. I'm talking about way before that night of that betrayal even happened, right? Jesus was talking to a group of Pharisees and to a crowd, and he said, eat me and drink my blood. Basically, what he's saying is, I am your feast days now, right? (laughs) Jesus, the great I am, says, I am your feast days. And that makes sense if the feast days originally belonged to God in the first place, which, of course, we just read, they do. They did and do. And will belong to God (laughs) in Leviticus 23 4, right? They are of the Lord. And so, as we continue to march through the different feasts and how they're fulfilled in Christ or will be fulfilled in the second coming, keep that in mind that Jesus said to eat and drink Him, meaning He is the feast day now. And so marching forward after the Passover, immediately following the Passover is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which, as I mentioned before, leaven is commonly metaphorical in the Bible for sin, right? And so when the Passover blood was shed and death passed over us, we were cleansed of our sin, right? You see where I'm going with this. When Jesus died on the cross, he took away the sin of the world. And so the Feast of Unleavened Bread was fulfilled in that, Those covered by the Lamb's blood, those that are Christ's, that he paid for their sin, are now cleansed of sin. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread is then fulfilled theologically in that fact. Well, immediately following that is the Feast of First Fruits, where, like I said, the children of Israel would present their first fruits to God. Which is also kind of weird, because a tithe is commanded... Much, much before this, right, where they were to give a tenth of the first fruits of everything they produce. And though a tithe is never commanded in the New Testament, it is still a practice of the church today. And yet there's a feast for it, right? And again, there's a fulfillment of that feast. There's a fulfillment of all the seven feasts, but this feast is fulfilled in the resurrection, where Jesus, as Paul writes, became the first fruits of the resurrection, And so the first three feasts then are fulfilled in the passion, death, and resurrection of the Christ, meaning we don't actually have to follow these feasts and set aside these days anymore, because these feasts are not the end themselves. They're the means to an end, right? They're to point back and forward at something. So in other words, on the next 14th of Nisan, if you would like to celebrate the Passover and then the Feast of Unleavened Bread and then the Feast of the first fruits go ahead. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Okay, so we've covered the first three feasts in the Jewish calendar. Now, the next four we will get to on the next episode, because unfortunately, this is all the time we have for today. So I hate to do this, but I am going to leave you with a little bit of a cliffhanger. So make sure you tune in for part two. See, I knew this was going to be a part one, part two, the minute I started talking. But anyway, as always, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed the show.